Do you want to read a? Yes. I do. Do you want me to tell you? <laughs> that would be wonderful. I, I want to speak about that. Uh, it seems like people step on our toes seemingly without provocation. Mm -hmm. But we invariably find, if we look into it, that we made a decision based on self that put us in a position to be hurt. Yeah? Yes. What is the, what, what's the feeling of a decision based on self? Ooh. How do we discern what's a decision based on self? Is the only way we can discern is by the consequences afterwards? Mm -hmm. Or could we see the self as something foreign to us and recognize because of our past decisions based on self that we, we don't want to have that many future decisions based on self. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to speak about today. Good. The book I have, the big, the book is too small and they need a, some glasses or something, but You want me to yeah. put something up on the, on the screen for you, Paul? No, that part, no, I have that sort of memorized or the flavor of it. So you want to start now? Mm-hmm. Or you want to wait for a little while? I want, I want you to start. All right, well, Paul Alcoholic, uh, or if you have some problem calling yourself an alcoholic, you can always say, Paul, a grateful member of recovery. <laughs> so, well, I think the words don't really matter to some point, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Paul Alcoholic, I'm happy to see everybody today. I think that statement is from page 62 or something. Uh, it's a famous part. Every part of the book is famous now, really. But it talks about mostly it's describing... A, uh, a habitual reaction we have when people step on our toes we're usually seeing them as seemingly without any provocation so basically we're out to lunch we don't know what we could have done or set up that led us to have these people step on our toes so we basically in a way it's it's seeming like we're unconscious to how life is happening yep mm -hmm. so let's say we're unconscious so people uh, step on our toes seemingly without provocation based on uh, being unconscious. We don't see our role in things. And, and so basically, but if you looked at it, you would see that there was a, there was a decision made by, based on self that, late, that put us in a position to be hurt. This isn't like a one-time event. It's, it's recognizing a pattern of our lives, yeah? A big chunk of our lives could be caught with that statement. We react to people, people step on our toes seemingly without provocation, seemingly. In other words, it's appearing to us that what, we didn't provoke them whatsoever. It was just out of the blue. They just, they just took it upon themselves to fuck with us, yeah? <laughs> so seemingly without provocation, 
which means it appears to be true or not to us. So at that moment, it appears to be true that these people stepped on our toes seemingly without provocation. If you want to dissect it, it's, it's important to check it out because it's not a singular event. It's a pattern of how self defeats us. Yeah. So, all right, seemingly without provocation. So let's say I'm in that bar and seemingly without provocation, this guy punches me in the face. So I go home after I called all my friends and bitched about this guy just came out of the blue and punched me in the face. And I investigated the night and I saw that, oh, I had seemingly forgotten that a half hour before I was trying to hit on his girlfriend yeah, in the corner. Yeah, I forgot that. So when the punch occurred, it seemed like there was no provocation to the punch. I had nothing to do with it. I was an innocent victim. But didn't I make a decision based on self that put me in the position of getting punched out, which is I wanted to make a move on that girl, even though I knew he was her boyfriend. Yeah, I figured out of self-seeking and frightened, I could maybe do a move without causing any consequence. But once again, my little strategy failed and there was a consequence. I got punched in the face. But my story is based on I had nothing to do with it. I didn't provoke any reaction. The reaction came out of the blue and punched me in the face. But see, this is what happens. Most of our life story omits what builds up to the to the event. We just totally have no idea. Oh, what I had, what was I doing that led me to be in that position? Now, I have an obvious example. Let's say I'm in a in America, they have uh, these farms, so to speak, for wayward kids. So you screwed up. You did something. Let's say I try to knock off a liquor store when I was drunk, when I was young. So then you get arrested and they put you into a farm where uh, you're supervised by adults, usually like wearing a uniform. And in this case, being on a horse. So you're outside like raking the grounds and shit like that. And this guy on a horse bothers you like he fucking spits on you, fucks, you know, irritates the hell out of you. And it seems to be happening without provocation. I didn't do anything. I'm just raking the lawn. Yeah. And this guy just keeps riding over to me and hassling me. But when I go home and look at it, did I make a decision based on self that put me in this position to be hurt by this guy? Yeah, I wanted to get some alcohol and I robbed it from a store that led me to go to court that led me to get sent up for three months to this farm. Yeah, so I had a big role in this guy having the ability to fuck with me because I put myself in this in the position to be screwed with. Yeah, this is the way of AA is to see our role in things, yeah? And with the hopes that when we see our role in things, after a while, we'll see self's role in things. Yes, please. If not, we're gonna be living a life without knowing it, reacting to things that seem to happen to us seemingly without provocation, and we'll never get to investigate it and see I made a decision that put me in this position to be bothered or to be hurt. Yeah. I mean, you can't know what you can't pay someone to go over your life. Yeah, you can't. 
in a way. No one's that interested unless you give them a whole lot of money where they'd watch videos of you for weeks. But, you know, where did you have any archives when you were out there running around? I don't. I don't have any home videos of me robbing stores and shooting up in the bathroom at Thanksgiving. I don't. So I don't I can't pay someone to look go over my life. I've got to do it. Yeah, I do. I have to look at what the hell's going on. And so AA, the one of the biggest moves of recovery for me was when I saw my role in things by having a clear presentation of the fourth step. And I got it through Joe and Charlie. I didn't get it through my first sponsor. He was out to lunch as much as I was. But seeing these old guys, Joe and Charlie, they had a very beautiful way of presenting a very simple book and instructions that my head complicated. And when I listened to their take on the fourth step, I sort of got it. I got the fourth column. So I went to my motel room at this event and I did an inventory. And when I did that inventory, it only t I was super excited because I finally had a new way of looking at my life. Yeah, my, I used to look at my life as who screwed with me, basically. And then a real deep sense of victimhood and powerlessness override almost all my behaviors. So I got it. I got that understanding. Fourth step. I did the fourth step. I started to see my role in things. And this statement in the book was so, so uh, prescient in a way. You know, hey, people will seem to, you know, people will step on my toes seemingly without provocation. When? Like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. There isn't one day that it happens. It's like any possible day. Yeah. So, so they seemingly step on my toes seemingly without provocation. But invariably, we will find that we made a decision based on self. This is it, not your decision. How can you keep saying it's your decision when it was based on self? And how can you see that self is you in the terminology of AA where it says on page 64, self has defeated us. The us is you, the us is us, not self. So how, if I'm so unconscious to this takeover or that something is living through me, I need to do some investigation. So let the investigation is let's see our role in things, because if you see your role in things, you're going to see self's role in things. You are. If you don't do an inventory on your resentment, you're not going to see they're not your resentments. You're going to continue to live as if they're yours. Yeah. Which is going to do what? It's going to set you up for more resentments. And not, not only more resentments, much longer lasting resentments. Yeah. So you may be walking around with a resentment for 40 years. It's freaking unbelievable. You know, if it was, if a resentment was the size of a tumor, your tumor would just keep growing. Everyone would fucking notice it. Hey, something's breaking out of your shirt or you know, what are you going to do about that? Look at the fucking thing. It's like three pounds hanging off you. But because it's not, you know, it's not weighted. You can't weigh it on a scale. You can't see a resentment. It fucking thrives under this camouflage. It does.
I mean, seriously, 40 years giving life to a resentment? And how is that, how would you call that my resentment? That's what allows that to happen. The owning of the resentment is now that orphan child you've adopted and you're fucking breathing life to it. And now you now the head uses it for excuses of insane fucking things about not finishing college or you know what I mean? It's just incredible. And that's just one example. It's happening all day. So let's get down to looking at our role in things so that we can see, hey, I'm getting a very strong suspicion there's something else's role in my life seems rather large. It seems quite influential. It drives me to drink and do drugs after I have an incredible amount of wisdom that that would be insane. It still has the ability to lead me to the first drink. How the hell does it have that much power? Yeah, it must be living off of us. Yeah. So this is the whole basis of the talks is freedom from the bondage of self. It's not freedom from alcoholism. That's a first step in a way. The alcoholism is an amplification of the bondage of a bondage of self. Let's let, let's Let's get down to the causes and conditions. So look at our lives and see your role in it, and maybe you'll see something else's role in it. And maybe you can separate the two or allow something to separate the two and now see what you're not. So it, And as soon as you start seeing what you're not, what you're not loses its influence on you. I can't, you know, you can't... This is how you know you're on the right... You. The, the relief from the problem tells you the solution, yeah? When you're on it, when you get finally clear, you're going to have relief, and that relief is going to verify you're on to something, yeah? The relief from the bondage of self is stop calling, is, is, the, is the breaking of the identification as self, yeah? To the point, every manifestation of self is taken to be mine, and then I coddle it, I defend it, I do whatever. I fucking have like 80 orphans that I'm feeding every day. Yeah. The difference is huge between a resentment and my resentment. Huge. And I'll tell you, the amount, the, the volume, the space it takes up, and the time it lives is based on my a resentment doesn't have, a resentment is like one of those insects that lasts for an hour or three hours or six hours. My resentment can live for 50 years. I mean, something is off. So, I mean, really, you've got to review your own life in a sense, yeah? No one's going to do it for us. Really, no one, no one has enough interest in us to sit down and go over all these insane decisions based on self, we need to see them ourselves. We need to see it. Yeah? And then perhaps there is a better way. Trusting something infinite rather than finite self. Why is it so important to lose faith in self? Because it's the faith in self that fuels the life of all these fears and resentments and anxieties. 
We are the battery. We are the fucking battery that's feeding it. We're lit. We, we go over it all day. We, we, we light it. We see it from different angles. Oh, they fucked me. They really fucked me. We, we lift some to, to a justified level. We, it's unbelievable. It's sort of like we're not even moving. We're in bed and we're just dreaming resentments. Yeah? As, le as if every, every tiger you've ever dreamt was, a, was, was from a real population of tigers. You know? It's all fucking made up. Now, I'm, a, I'm totally, I marvel at the power that we exhibit all day without knowing it. Because we're making shit out of nothing. I mean, we're miracle workers, but in a weird, bizarro way. We do. We give life to shit that was never even alive. We give life to resentments that never even happened. Yeah? That person wasn't thinking to get me. They haven't thought about me for 20 years. Yeah, the whole premise of the life of the resentment is totally bogus. Like they say, we used to say here, you know, having a resentment is like me taking poison to hurt you. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, what an insane strategy. So I'd like to talk about that and just maybe if you want to have an exercise, not now, but later, just look at maybe a couple of your escapades in life and see, did it look like from your stinted view or stunted view that something had stepped on your toes without provocation? And do you, if you look at it, see you made a decision based on self that puts you in that position to be hurt? If that's the case, you've just recognized one of the patterns of how self defeats us. Yeah. What is that going to lead to? Recognizing more patterns about how self defeats us. Yes. And then when you recognize that stuff, what do you do? You bring it to step six and seven. You ask that power, that God, that higher power, whatever you want to call it or not call it to reconfigure that fucking knot. Yeah. So it can use it. A rope. Yeah. It can be tied into a noose or it'd be made into a ladder. It can either bring you out of a hole or, yeah? The rope has nothing to do with it. It's just the rope. It's the configuration of the rope that gives it, that gives it its use, yes? So these things, these things called resentments and anxieties and old patterns are configurations of energy by self, yeah? We like, we, we're like a, a living knot. Knots after knots after knots. By, by recognizing that and bringing it to step six and seven and asking that power to reconfigure that rope, that rope may be a valuable, may become a value to you and others. Yes? The same rope that will hang you can also fucking liberate you. This is what I would love to get across, you know? I mean, what is the point? All right, we're going to see our role in things, and then we're going to add on to that. Yeah, and while seeing our role in things, we'll see self's role in things. Yeah, and let's, you know, render unto self what's self's, and render unto us what's ours. 
not fucking own that shit anymore. That's how I see it today. Yeah. Yeah, all right. And there's tons of statements in there. Well, you know? tons, tons, tons. Um, I did post um, page 62, that paragraph in the chat, Paul. And That uh, blew my mind when I came in. There was a number of sentences like that that captured huge strands of my strategy of living. I saw it. I saw exactly that. My life started at when they stepped on my toes, my, the story. I didn't see the backstory ever because it would be a threat to the fucking story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was always the cop, the judge, the fucking this, the that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. If you and don't then- see the rolling thing, how are you going to recognize something, some foreign pathogens rolling thing? <laughs> you can't. You can't see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to be calling you as self and self as you all day. Yeah. And where are you going to get relief? Who's going to guide you? Where most of, most of the herd is infected by self. You go <laughs> someone else and you talk about freedom from self. They're like fucking a dog when they hear something new. They're like crock their head. They have no idea the possibility. They think self is ego. Self is not ego. Self is the feeling of being the one that does everything, that has everything, that thinks everything, that feels everything. It's not true. It's a made-up, manufactured premise. And it's living off of us. Yeah, I love, I love a, couple, a couple weeks ago when you talked about how we grow um, fear, remorse, and resentment. And then we roll it up and smoke it. Yeah, we're, because the Petri dish is hospitable to that shit. You drop a miracle in that Petri dish, it's forgotten in a half an hour. You drop a perceived slight, it can be fed and thrive for 40 years. It's, it's us. The Petri dish that we are is acidic, let's say. And we need to admit that so that that higher power can change it to alkaline in a weird way. Because the acidic cannot change itself. Yeah, it will be more acidic. Yeah, you have to fucking surrender. This is not a self-help program. It's it's a higher power reliance program. Yeah, so we, we admit our defeat and we meet the causes, conditions of the continued defeat. And guess what? Suddenly, that state of powerlessness is infused with power. Suddenly, things change. Who would have thought? Everything pivots on us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at people try, have changed their outer circumstances, their financial condition, and they're still the same asshole they were 30 years ago. Yeah? Yep. That's... The outside isn't going to change the inside. It may keep it from showing up here, but if you shift shift the circumstances, I live in a very rich area, and sometimes you'll go to the airport, and everyone's very, very nice, 
But just watch what happens when a few of the uh, flights are canceled. Then they're fucking making sure no one's cutting in line. It just goes all fucking nasty. So our, our, our civility is very, very fragile and completely based on very shaky causes and conditions. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, well, and we'll start with questions in a minute, but I just, while you were just speaking, uh, I, turned, I turned to 63 where it talks about we're established on such a footing, you know, the toes. Um, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our perceived self, and yes. um, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute as we felt a new power flow in, right? We enjoyed peace of mind. Yes. Well, take it back and take it back and look at the problem. We're established in the problem, seemingly. Mm -hmm. That's causing us to grow more and more obsessed with self and less and less interested in people and other things and looking for what we can get out of life and have no interest in contributing it at all. It's all based on the on the Petri dish. Yeah. yeah. If you're established in one condition, that's how it expresses. If you're established in the other, that's how it expresses. You've got to tell the truth about the first to arrive at the second. We've been established in the condition of self for a while. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We need a program or a way of life or actually the influence of a higher power through the program and through the way of life to change that. We've come, we've realized self can't get out of self. So that which is established in self isn't going to get out of the establishment of self. That's just more establishment of self. Yeah. So mm -hmm. everything they say about that, sincerely taking, taking a position and then getting established in it, it's basically that's already been the case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We were already established in the previous condition. That's what needs to be changed. The previous condition isn't going to morph into the new condition. It's not the same. Yeah. It's not your condition getting better. It's recognizing a false condition or a foreign condition, which allows another condition to get influential. Yeah. Yeah. You can pour as much as much alkaline in the acidic Petri dish. It ain't going to work. <laughs> you just you have to move to a new Petri dish in a way. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, yes. So it goes back to the same. Most people here have been with coming, so... It's all rooted in this, in the diagnosis that we were defeated and are defeated by the manifestations of self in our lives. Yeah? In our lives. So the reason to look at our role in things is to hopefully take it a little further and see self's role in things. <laughs> yeah? And stop calling self's role in things our role in things. Yeah? Please. There's got to be a time whether you you move from all right no role 
all of my role and then seeing what role was what, yeah? Because there is some kind of foreign influence that's been engaged in our lives, yeah? And it would be pretty wise to recognize its role, <laughs> I would say. I mean, because you're not going to get relief from the bondage of self as self. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> that looks like shooting coke and then fucking flipping out because the cops are there in 20 minutes. That's sort of the relief from the bondage of self as self. That's how it appears in life. <laughs> this is relief from self, which is the bondage of self. <laughs> I just, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, you want to ask any questions? Oh, yeah, we're ready for Jack. Come on in, Jack. Hey, Paul, great to see you. Oh, there you are, Jack, yes. How you doing, bro? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just wanted to, to uh, start and say uh, thank you very much. Uh, these meetings have um, really contributed and really helped uh, in my recovery uh, since I've been on here. And, uh, um, and the non-dualities have really helped with my own practice. I've discussed with you, uh, my buddy on the practice. And uh, so I just really want to say thank you. It's, it's uh, awesome. Anyway, um, about this uh, part of the big book, I, you know, so many times in my life, I've, I've been confronted by somebody and had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. And, uh, and, and this is in sobriety as well, you know? So, you know, the, the denial with me was just so thick, you know, that I was stepping on toes and I didn't even know it. I didn't even realize it. Um, so, you know, I really get that. And I, and I really try to be aware of that nowadays, you know? to be very careful not to, to step on the toes. Um, I was gonna share quick, just, uh, I saw this video on YouTube a few weeks ago and uh, it was these three construction workers <clears throat> in a very uh, wilderness area of Russia. Um, and the video stopped with a, uh, their dog playing with a bear cone. And they're all sitting there laughing, having a nice time, and are really enjoying themselves. And then all of a sudden, you see this big head come bouncing up over the ring, and it's the mother, grizzly bear. And uh, then uh, it shows the mother charging, and the video cuts out. And uh, <laughs> later on, yeah, later on it was confirmed that all three of those guys were, you know, they're no longer, and the dog. Um, 
but I, that 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 video really really had an effect on me because it was kind of like an analogy of my life at home, you know. And now, you know, if, if I had been there, I knew I would have known when I saw the uh, bear cub to get the hell out of there because I've seen enough documentaries and stuff like that. Because the bear cubs there, the mother's not far behind, you know. But those guys didn't know. They had no idea. And uh, uh, they paid the ultimate price for it. So I started a practice of watching out for the bear cub, uh, the, uh, the bear cubs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, someone's tailgating me. I'm like, oh, that's the bear cub. And if I'm not careful, the mama grizzly's going to show up. You know, yes. but then, I realized, then I realized everything's the bear cub, everything. <laughs> so, yes. I don't know. I just felt like sharing that. And uh, but mostly, again, you've been extremely helpful to me, Paul. And uh, I, I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's my it's my uh, great pleasure, really. This, I mean, if someone, uh, you know, there's an urge that people have, a lot of people naturally, let's say if they see a good movie, they want to tell other people, yes? Or they find when I used to travel a lot, there'd be some people at the guest house and they would be sharing about some place and I could see by how lit up they were, I'd make it a point to go to that place, yeah? And stuff like that. I think it's a natural inclination if you found like a great swimming hole you would tell some people who really love swimming about the swimming hole yeah just i mean there's no thought in it and so i found uh i found relief yeah a substantial amount of relief that changed the the calculus of this life yeah almost as if self had 70% of the stock in the company, and let's say my innate nature had 30%. Well, that was changed to that my innate nature at least has over 51%. And it changes the whole running of the company, yeah? Just that little balance. And I didn't know it was possible. I didn't. I had no idea. I think some forms of deny denying can be uh, aligned with uh, adaptability, you know? You start adapting to small places and small things, yeah? And small pre uh, demonstrations. And you start playing really small. And it's a survival, I guess, mechanism. But uh, we're into living now, most of us here. And we can live large, yeah? We... But there's something in us that we've ha we have a fundamental relationship with, and we call it us. Yeah, that needs to be looked at. It does because something uh, like we were talking to Helen once about the bondage of self, and the bondage of self is you have the ability to reach twelve feet, 
but you only reach seven feet, yeah? It, ha it limits us in lots of ways. And it looks like everything is the way it is, but there's something living off of us. It is, yeah? And its, it's messages and its orders are basically dictated through the thought system, yeah? The narration. So it seems to be talking to us as us all day. And, uh, man, if you could get relief from that, you'd see the size of that robbery. You would, you know, and you would probably be compelled to do Zoom after Zoom after Zoom after Zoom from nine in the morning till nine at night on Tuesdays if people were willing and asked for it. You would you'd give it a shot because uh, you're not going to know the problem from the problem. You're just going to get a lot of bullshit solutions from the problem. The relief, the relief is the solution. Yeah, when you get relief from the problem, you'll see it from the solution. Yeah. And uh, I humbly recognize it as an activity of what's leading us mostly during the day, which is the mental states. And those mental states are in the act of being identified as a self. Yeah. It's just that simple. And us, us gets, uh, is the, is the battery, but plays a very minor role. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, perhaps there's a better way. I'm totally into that. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks, Jack. It's great to watch you. Yeah. And all your little settings, your garages and other people's houses and big trucks. Yeah. It's... Yeah. All right. We got a couple questions today. Let's hear from Atlin. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Mm hmm. Uh, hi, Paul. I've uh, been watching your, uh, your meetings for uh, some time now. I, I quite like them. And uh, hello to everybody. Appreciate your uh, appreciate the message you put out there and um, you know I want I want to ask you this question I'm I'm not uh, I wouldn't consider myself a 12 step uh, guy or whatever but I've been uh, into this thing for quite some time I'm just seeking you know within the, uh, whatever anybody understands of seeking so I want to ask this question it's, it's is all overcoming the problems just letting go of the sense of self-importance? Can you say that again? Is is all overcoming of of these internal problems with uh, with anything like uh, like addiction, basically, just a letting go of this self-importance? You know, this this concern, this extreme concern with self-importance like i'm important i'm not important the whole issue. uh actually a lot of times in the beginning that's the that's the result of going through the steps or the or the way of life Figuring the result when you go through a problem is you lose interest in the one who had the problem yes right. but no sometimes uh it whatever it takes what it takes 
Yeah, it matters where you're at in a certain situation, in a certain moment. Yeah, but basically how the results of all those different, going through all those problems, the same result is uh, loss of interest in self is going to assure uh, a relief from the, the amount and the severity of the problem, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. See, let me just say, Anton, let's say here, at a certain point when I came in to recovery, I said a prayer every day, no matter where I was. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I woke up, I combined the first three steps. I would say, hey, my name is Paul. I'm an alcoholic and addict. Yeah, and my managing has caused my life to be unmanageable. I changed it a little. Uh, I've come to believe that a power greater than me has restored me to sanity, and I make a decision to turn my will and life over to the care of this power. Yep. Yeah. Every day for about four years. And then one day I stopped, and I've never done it again. So it had its use until what it was sort of replacing showed up. As soon as that relief showed up i didn't need to do the prayer anymore yes so this is the way so i may do certain things for a while but maybe at a point what they were there to be useful for has been changed so then there's a moving on yeah yeah so like a lot of people in aa come in and they, uh, they need like a boot camp and they need to have an authority figure. And then they, they, their behavior is, t- is about fear. I don't want to go back. I don't want that. Yes, maybe for a month, six months, a year, two years, three years. But after a while, that changes. The program and the effects of it have changed you. And then there's a statement by a priest that was in the beginning of AA. He says, yeah, most people in the beginning they're moved by a moving away from hell, so to speak, not a moving towards heaven. But there's a certain point where it changes from a moving away from hell to a moving towards heaven. Yeah. So when you're moving away from hell, what you need to do or what you're doing to do that may look completely different than that which is moving towards heaven. Yeah. The nice thing to know is to be open to realize you've reached expiration dates on certain things and be willing to move to a, let's say, a more, a more relaxed form of discipline. Right. Yeah. Like in my, my experience, more like a free range alcoholic. I'm not, you know, I'm not, don't have to stay in the coop all day. I can roam around and I feel pretty assured I'm okay based on, uh, the evidence of 32 years of relying on a higher power. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Everything is different for everybody at every moment, really. What can you, what can you say? One more thing. What can you say about this willingness, you know, this willingness to actually, is it just caused by, by the tiredness of dealing with the same problem over and over? Like, does it have to come to that or, like well, it seems to be a more, a more uh, no, it doesn't have to be just that, but it, for most people I know, it is, it's, it, it's born out of that, of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. 
but it doesn't have to be. This is the beautiful thing. The, the, the wave of grace in our life doesn't have to be any way. There doesn't have to be anything that preceded it or has to come after it. It just can happen. But I've seen a pattern of how it happens for many people, which is getting fucking, you know, having a bottom, which means they're willing to move away from it. Yeah. They're not trying to survive anymore. They just say, fuck it. And now that moment of moving away from the bottom is called the bottom. Yeah. But they they've been living in a bottom for years. So the willingness finally pulls them up and there they go. Yeah. So willingness is, uh, but see, in my experience with willingness, it doesn't always look enthusiastic. Yeah. And so I think it's very important in the first year of recovery or any, let's starting now everyone's first year from this point on to allow, see what we need are habits, which are actions without thoughts. So if we get into the right habits, those habits are the bridge between willingness and willingness when there's a lack of willingness. Yeah. So the, the lack of willingness won't cause the effects it may have caused before because you have the bridge of habit to keep you doing the right thing. Yeah. So I find, uh, man, a little bit of willingness can go a long, 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 long way when the right habits are, are, uh, are formed. Yeah. And the habits of AA are sound fucking habits, sound principles, you know? Yeah. So, and we always can ask for willingness. That was the thing. One of the main prayers in beginning in recovery is to ask for the willingness. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously willingness can be received and let's say it can be quote unquote given by something, a higher power, because many, many people have found when they asked, they received willingness. So, yeah. I would keep asking for willingness then. When you're when you're ready to ask for willingness, it's either it's either you're you're pretending to ask for willingness or you're really willing, actually. Well, you can even it doesn't in a way matter. Just ask for the willingness because what's telling you if you're willing or not isn't you anyway, most cases. No. Yeah? If that's if that's I see I'm taking an action, that implies I was willing. Yeah, I don't need my head to tell me because my head is a it's presenting a lot of false evidence a lot of the time. Yeah. So it may tell you you don't have any willingness when there is willingness there. You can't listen to it because it distracts you from the pulse of your own life. It tells you it tells you a story to override the living of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people who are sober live as if they're not every day because they're in this fear. Well, I may be sober today, but I won't be tomorrow. It's just fucking crazy. It's crazy how much mentalness is running the show here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not really responding to a real world. We're, re- we're reacting to a mental presentation. Yeah. We are. It's just a, we're dreaming in a way. Yeah, but I'd much rather have the higher power 
to direct the dreaming and the response to the dreaming than the mental state. I mean, I've had enough of that. I've recognized that. And I don't think there's, a, there's, a, there's not that many upgrades in the mental dreaming. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't have nirvana or you or fucking heaven in its programming. <laughs> I'd much rather go with the higher power. Yeah. Because then it's life's revelatory. Because you really don't know what's going to happen. And there's a great assurance in that. Because now you're awake and you're, rec you know, you're feeling, I'm not feeling yesterday. I'm feeling now. Always. I'm never, I'm not feeling next week. I'm feeling where I am all the time. That's an amazing condition. Yeah. Being here now. Well, yeah, being here now is the fact. The story is, I have the ability not to be here now. That's not true. You never escape the moment. You are the moment. So we believe a lot of shit that isn't true. <laughs> Yeah, and this is hopefully what will happen. Once you get certain things clear, like Zen would say, then blue becomes blue and red becomes red. It wasn't that it wasn't blue. You just see it as blue because it's always been blue. That's what happens. You start just seeing what's actually going on. <laughs> and then it tells you it's always been going on. You've been living a dream interpretation, really. Yeah? really dictated and directed by a foreign pathogen, to tell you the truth. <laughs> really, we're seeing life from a parasitical view. I mean, that's why, that's, you know, it's a very, you know, when you get sick, like with a virus or something, the flu, then usually every day looks bleaker, yeah? You're more suspicious of people. I mean, you look at life from the virus's view. And you're like, wow, that virus has a whole different head than I do. Well, you've been living under the parasite of self. It has a fucking weird fucking view. Yeah, that this is all about me. <laughs> it's very, it's just, it's like, here you are, you could have a panoramic view and then the mental state wants to direct you to looking through like a pinhole. <laughs> it's in incredible. Because when you look through the pinhole, you look really huge. When you get a panoramic view, you become right-sized. Yeah? Yeah. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. Yeah. All right, we've got Beatrice coming in. Come on, Beatrice. Hi, everybody. Beatrice, recovered alcoholic and drug addict. And thank you, Paul, and everybody for being here. So just something real quick, Paul. I just wanted to thank you. First of all, my sponsor and I, our favorite line is the free range alcoholic. We use it all the time. It's just uh, one of our favorite because it's, uh, it's so true. We can go anywhere. Um, and I and I I just wanted to mention I read something um, this week uh, and uh, it just brought back everything that got me free way back in July when when I started this meeting and and how I was able to see what I was and and how I can see today that life doesn't defeat me today 
we talked about that, I think last week or the week before. Anyway, I read something this week and it was by Emmett Fox, you know, and he's probably one of the guys back in the day that the forefathers used to read. Um, but anyhow, it was, he was talking about staking your claim. And the only reason I read it is because it spoke to me and it was you loud and clear. And he talks about staking our claim of good, but he also writes, whatever it is we wish to bring into our life, we stake our claim to it. Of course, we often claim negative things for ourselves without fully realizing it. Every time we say my cold, my headache, my indigestion, we are claiming those things for, um, for ourselves. What we claim for, for ourselves, what we claim for ourselves will eventually, uh, will eventually bring into our life. Affirm your divine kingship, all that the Father has is ours if we stake our claim with God. So I just, when I read that, I thought, wow, like that just, it just yeah. it's just powerful. Well, this, the thing too is when you say, these are my thoughts, the thoughts now can own you. You see? Because uh, we don't understand there's a guest inside that when we say my, it's saying it. And so now it becomes the thinker of the thoughts, and now the thoughts reign over us, yeah? When you were two or three years old, thoughts were not dominating your day. Were they? No. We hadn't really even had many yet. Now, they're fucking telling us how it was, how it's going to be, how it is. It's unbelievable. This complete dependence on thoughts, yeah? Why? Because it's the same thing. Resentment comes and goes. My resentment's just orbits. Yes, the planet Paul. Yeah, that talking about claiming. Yeah, you claim to be the thinker. The thoughts now own you. They do. They can affect incredible. They can produce effects out of nothing. Thoughts about next week can paralyze someone today if they have true devotion to the thoughts as the thinker. See, we're, he's talking about a power, Emmett Fox, I think, and we're talking about a power. We don't know that we are an example of a huge power being wielded right now. We are an incredible, unsuspected resource that something has tried to take over and use for its own agenda. <laughs> I mean, we are a very, very sought-after event for a parasitical movement. Man, yeah. because the parasite knows Jesus Christ. I've got an incredible budget, got great lighting, <laughs> got a fucking incredible stage. Let's go to it. <laughs> really, really, it's amazing. It's true. And you know, it's amazing the takeover goes on uh, without so much not knowing it. You know, I mean, and I think all you need is to recognize a little bit and a whole lot more will be revealed. Yeah, if you can just start seeing, all right, see your role in things, and then it starts recognizing, wait a minute, that wasn't my role in things. There was something else that had a role in that thing. Yes, now you recognize the uninvited guests, so to speak. Yeah. But that's almost a daily thing that I almost have to do, recognize it and understand that it's not really me. Well, that will you won't it won't be so 
there won't be the vigilance in this case doesn't get more and more vigilant. It gets less and less vigilant. Yes, yes. yes. You less you just recognizing it's not you. It does its thing, but you instead of like uh you know, playing like Led Zeppelin at the fucking Metrodome, it's playing in a little bar with five people in it. You know what I mean? It's playing right. in golden oldies, but it doesn't have a huge audience. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of what it's like. You know what I mean? You don't have to be vigilant about it. It's it's uh it's just like constantly playing a very small circuit now, not producing many effects. Yeah. And yeah, definitely right. not real big right, physical yeah. action. Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yes. Right. So it threatens that you, it has stories you were jackpotted and you're going to be jackpotted, but it's not jackpotting you now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It's not fucking having a tattoo of a five-year prison sentence laid on you or... Yeah, or getting run over by a car today and shit. Yeah, yes. it's not doing that anymore. Right. No. So it's got, yes. it's, it's all, it's Thank production you. that's really, yeah. It's gotten down. <laughs> yes, it's sort of like on USA yes. TV or something, you know. It's, it's minor, <laughs> minor syndication. Yes. <laughs> you don't even need the critic of the show. The show, they don't even have credit. There's no reviews anymore. Right. <laughs> it just plays on and on <laughs> without much of an audience. <laughs> it's great. It's awesome. <laughs> if you're not the story, if you're not the story of the character, the character of the story, the story isn't that interesting. It's all based on you. When you th when it's you, then there's interest. When you see it's mm -hmm. not you, there'll be a loss of interest. It's just that simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Can you imagine when you used to go and you share your role in things? Yeah. Then you go to AA meetings and everyone shares their role in things, and it sort of seems to be the same role. Yeah. All these mm -hmm. unique separate uses. But the same role seems to be played in all of these characters. Yeah, come on. What does that, that lead you to? Something has taken all of us, and it only has a certain finite amount of traits. Yeah? It, it does the same fucking thing in every different person. And we call it alcoholics and addicts. But if they, they demonstrate the same spectrum of behavior and traits and fucking attitudes and outlooks because they're not individual attitudes and outlooks or traits. Take, we've been taken over by the same thing, all of us. That's where we meet. That's where we have the camaraderie. Yeah, because we know what it's like to live under it because we have. Yes? And, you know, yeah, when you're living under it, if you get moved to a one degree cooler area of hell, it's a big fucking deal. But, yeah, I see that. Let's move on also. We don't have to be, you know, jockeying for good real estate in hell. We can actually move out of it. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Really? 
But I mean, I see the importance of it. Yeah, fuck. I'm not in jail today. That's fucking great. But yeah, I think heaven starts calling you. And then there's a moving towards heaven. I've had ample amount of gratitude for moving away from hell. I'm fucking stoked. Yeah, from all that. But yes, but it's not a strong enough pull. Yeah, it's time for heaven the gravitational pull for heaven to grab me, yeah? And that calls, I need to see what, you know, there's a lot of weight on the ship. I gotta see what's mine and what's not, yeah? I need to do a real inventory and see self's product and my product and fucking jettison self's product, yeah? We don't need it where we're going. We don't need to be fucking right over a tiny little thing, do we? No, no, no. So. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Yes, it's been a pleasure to watch you, honey. All right, Paul, well, we've been on for an hour. Are you good for a couple more questions today? Uh, if you can take, uh, yes, I just have to urinate soon. <laughs> well, take, a, take a break. We'll wait right I'll here. Take a break for a minute, yeah. Yeah, take a break. You know, we're, we're, like, we're like Pavlovian dogs. All those meetings of AA were all our meetings where I live. <laughs> I for an hour, but now I can't. It's past yeah. that time. You're all good. That's good stuff. You know, as, as I listen to Paul, I, I, I have learned to train my, myself to not get caught in my thought mind and not try and interpret what he says with my thoughts or emotions. There's no, no attachment there. And if you just kind of, if you just listen without, without thought or without paying attention to all these things coming up in your head, all of a sudden it's like, boom, makes sense every time. All right. All right. All right. Come on, Jacob. Hey, Paul. Good morning. Hey. 
So speaking from the action figure, um, it seems obvious that it uses these these free samples and these times of presence for its own means, for its own, I don't know. Uh, for 20 plus years, I, I was doing heroin and, you know, I burnt most of my bridges. I spent most of my time alone. I think that bit about the habits, um, about AA and, and 12 steps establishing those habits, I just never, uh, I never established those habits. And I'm at a place now where going back to fourth step, um, you know, I'm encountering a lot of shame and a lot of, um, most of my resentments have to do with myself. I don't really have any resentments towards other people. For the most part, the institutions that I, uh, that I did things against were, you know, I, I pretty much took care of most of those my first time around. Um, I don't know, I, I feel like uh, for the most part, I've, You know, I came into recovery this time and it was the first time in my life that I haven't been suicidal, which is strange. It's, I don't know where it went. I don't know why it went away. Um, it's, it's kind of a blessing, but at the same time, like I, I'm not, um, I don't know. I, I, do you have any ideas uh, uh, or any, any suggestions for somebody going back through the fourth step where all the resentments are, are geared towards the self. And do you have any, any suggestions on, uh, on self using presence or using the, because when I, yeah, well, first, I, of, I think, back, first of all, uh, I think if you just write down people who you've had a little problems with, you'll see that how the the resentment towards you was sort of built was resentment with others. Yeah, mm. it's a typical view to see that uh, of us who are masters of denial and stuff to come in and think we have no resentments. Yeah, and yet be the angriest, angriest people in the room. <laughs> so I would just do a list of, and uh, resentment, when you do an inventory, it doesn't have to be a, an act of resentment. You want to see the pattern of it, yeah? So sometimes it's like archaeology. You dig up an old resentment. Sometimes it's a living one. Sometimes it's one you're never going to go near. But you try to get all these different samples to see. So you'll see that uh, you'll get a relief from the resentment towards you by seeing the, the resentment towards others. You will, I'm telling you, because I've run into tons of people have the same thing. Now, the idea we're speaking about of self claiming everything that happens. Yeah. Yeah. That it's success in that is how much the audience is fooled, meaning us, yeah? It never, its batting average isn't based on it has the best eye, it's based on us not knowing what's going on, yeah? So once you start seeing it, you'll recognize 
what the mental state does, which is claims to be the seer and the thinker, and yet the seeing will continue, yeah? And actually you'll get a sense sooner or later that the seeing is way before the seer and the thinker and the feeler, yeah? Like we are of an awareness, yeah, which I would say is the spiritual condition, yeah? So, yeah. yeah, don't worry about it. Just tell the truth as much as you can and know that you're on a sort of like a, there was an old master, I, I love Ramana Maharshi, and he told an old story where there's this guy walking around with a big box on his head, yeah? He gets to the train station, he walks onto the train and he's still holding the big box on his head while he, when he can just take it down, the train is going to take it, yeah? He doesn't have to have that extra weight on his head. Right. The train right. is carrying the weight. So to yeah. me, that's the reliance on spirit, yeah? So yeah. you don't need to, you're, you know, like, you know, recognizing the wind and shit like that is probably very skewered, yeah? Something is, you're in good hands, yeah? And you trust the process and you just do what we do go where we go, where, you know, where is it? It isn't far now, but those habits will be formed. Yeah. Yeah. You're in great hands, bro. You got the, all the heroin didn't, didn't uh, dim your light. So don't worry about it. Yeah. So, yeah. It doesn't seem like it, it doesn't seem like it did. I'm, I am pretty astonished by that. How, you know, doing goofballs every day for 20 years, some people go out there and they do them, you know, they do it for a year and they're toast, it seems. I know. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Some of us are much, yeah, yeah. But hey, so just now you're in a different, you're in better hands, you know. Just see what happens. And come to here and anytime you need to, email me or something and I'll try to be of help. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Honey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm answering you. I was I was muted. Uh, we got a question from from Rowena. Uh, Rowena, yes. Hi, Paul. I'm Rowena. I'm an alcoholic. First, I want to hey, just say Paul. thank you for for you know doing this for everybody and I'm um. I've experienced the moving away from hell, getting closer to heaven. And it, and I, I am stoked as well because I lived in the state of hell for quite a while, even in sobriety. And, you know, <clears throat> I've been sober quite a long time. And, you know, I, I let myself real run riot for a really long time. And, you know, I wanted to run the show. You know, I felt like I was doing a pretty good job, but man, did it kick my ass many times. But I say that to say today, I have a sponsor that's amazing. You guys know her, Mickey. She's a very spiritual young lady. And I want to say that, you know, God brings people into our life when we're ready for them. You know, my I have a friend that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And you appeared. Mickey appeared. 
You know, I'm studying Joe Dispensia. We are the placebo. And it's all combined in together. It's like you guys are all one. And it's amazing. And right now, I just finished my fifth step and I'm working on the sixth step. And I, I would just like to hear your share a little bit, hear you share a little bit about the sixth step, if you would. And I'd, I'd so much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that report. Uh, well, again, the sixth step and the seventh step come after the fifth step and you go home for the hour. It's only given a paragraph in the book. But the sixth and the seventh step are probably uh, the, the most active steps in my life as I get into sobriety. Because what happens is more gets revealed and you start seeing what you're not. So when I recognize alcoholism, that used to just go under the bridge calling by being called me, I, recognize it. I bring it to step six where I say, hey, I'm entirely ready to have this, what I've been seeing, yeah? Uh, like punishing people for not doing what I wanted them to do in a very sophisticated manner. So let's say that arises, I see it, oh, I'm entirely ready to have this reconfigured and I ask that power to do it, which is this uh, step seven. So there's the instructions in the big book concerning six and seven where you're basically stating all that which was revealed by your fifth step of, of what has defeated you has been removed and stuff like that. And as you go along, more stuff is going to be revealed. So six and seven keep coming up. That's how you deal with it. It's sort of like, let's say you thought uh, you had five jackets in your closet. You realize they're garbage. So now you want to put the garbage out. That's step six and seven. Yeah. I don't sit up all night waiting to see the garbage man. I have faith that the garbage man shows up every Wednesday morning. I put it out on Tuesday night. I wake up and there's, the garbage is gone. That's to me is step six and seven. Yeah. But in this case, the garbage isn't taken away. It's just reconfigured and it's put to good use. Yeah. I feel, I feel, you know, there's a statement in physics, energy can't be created nor destroyed. Yeah energy. I feel that's what we're in, like a field of energy. But the mental state has reconfigured a lot of energy and knotted it up. Yeah. We call it, uh, unless you let go of all your old ideas, the result will be nil. Those are old knots. Yeah. And so I can't, they can't be removed because energy doesn't go anywhere, but they can be reconfigured. So the rope is a knot, you unloosen it, now the rope is useful. And I feel this is what six and seven do. Yeah. It's based on the principle of reliance on a higher power. We recognize something. Yeah. We bring it to that power and we ask that power to reconfigure it or remove it. That's the program of AA. Yeah. That's how I see step six and seven. And I like to do them at meetings a lot because obviously alcoholism may feel very personal but it isn't personal yeah and so alcoholism has a lot of us so when someone who has been had by alcoholism shares and it triggers that feeling of being had by alcoholism in me 
I take it right to step six and seven. I ask it to be reconfigured. And I feel uh, in like in a Zoom where we're together, there's some more juice, yeah, for that to occur. So that's how I see step six and seven. There's the one way of seeing it as what you do after step five, and then there's the, uh, the, the uh, continuation of six and seven as more is revealed, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That looks like that's all we've got for today, Paul. Oh, that's great. This was great. This was great. Do you have some closing words for us or shall we just wrap it up? Uh, don't take yourself so seriously. Rule 62. Because the whole thing, everyone in this Zoom isn't taking yourself too seriously other than you. <laughs> just, just apply you as a, like it was a stranger. <laughs> Do I want to think about Stanley, what he or she doing five years ago? Of course not. Unless I'm Stanley, I could care less. So this is sort of what it's like. You see that aspect of you as not you, yeah? And therefore, there'll be a loss of interest in that aspect of you, yeah, yeah. So, all right, I'm just gonna say goodbye to everybody and uh, have a lovely day today. So there's Mike Z, as always. Nice to see you, Mike, good morning. You don't know how incredible this is for Mike to be up at this time of day. He's quite committed. We, and uh, this is Ann. Ann, thank you for doing the, uh, you're doing a great job. Yeah, thank you so much. Kurt, as always, yes, uh, bring that coffee mug up. Yeah. We got Marty, Marty T. Nice to see you, Marty. I'm always asking Marty, who am, who is Marty? So I'm doing another sense of self-inquiry. Who is Marty? Kristen, nice to see you, Kristen. You're inside today. That's nice. Roman, as always, my little German Tai Chi master. Nice to see you. We got Rob Farr from the UK. Always a pleasure, Rob. I think we got Verena from uh, Carolina. Something. I hope I got the word right. Uh, we got Michael Stacy, another member of the Madeira Mafia. Yes. <laughs> right hand man for uh, Mickey. Paul, nice to see you there, Paul. Always a pleasure. Alton, again, thank you for your questions, Alton. If I, I said your name right. Maggie, Jack G, John Woodruff, Jono from the UK. Great to see you, Anne. Fantastic, looking very comfortable there. Don't get up. Mike, oh, don't get up for me. George from the UK. Nice to see you, George. Helen from, uh, Helen, are you in Scotland or in Wales? Scotland? No, neither. Oh, you're in England, Northern England. Jesus, I must have just, uh, I just insulted you. You're in Northern Hi. England? No, no, I mean, yeah, Northern England, Manchester. Oh, Manchester. All right, great. Nice to see you, Helen. 
Rowena, nice to see you in California. It's a beautiful day today in Northern California. 944272, Walter from the Netherlands. We got Dana, the coffee maker. Oh, Dana, I may need to talk to you. Yeah, he's the coffee drinker. I want to, yes, I need a, any times there's an opportunity for great espresso, let me know. Leah, Leah, always, good to see you, honey. Beatrice, yep. We got Phoenix, my main man Phoenix there. Chris, Chris uh, Blake, nice to see you, Chris. We got Jacob from Seattle. We got Meryl with her lovely son. Is it a son or a daughter? Son. Nice to see you. Yes, he's got the pouch. Nice to see you, Meryl. We got, uh, let's see, uh, we went to the same people. Then we got some anonymous folks, so forget about them. All right, thanks so much, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, these, these Zooms. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. You should be able to.